0: Show. I happen to watch this video on YouTube the other day, and it is a live debate, or it was a live debate a couple of weeks ago, July 30th, between Cenk Uger of uh, the Young Turks and, and Ben Shapiro. And, um, you know, the reason I even was looking at this, I happened to see that uh, Ben Shapiro was on the Joe Rogan Experience just a few days after he did this live debate. And that particular video has already got about two and a half million views. And I know I'm going to be doing Joe Rogan's show next week, and I hope that my uh, interview could get even a significant fraction of the two and a half million views uh, that Joe got by interviewing Ben Shapiro. But when I was looking at that, I happened to notice this uh, YouTube video, so I checked it out. And, you know, I was on Chank Uygur's program one time years and years ago. I mean, maybe it was five years ago. He had me on the show this is back when I was more popular. I was doing a lot more television. So he brought me on and uh, he disconnected me. I forget how long I was on, five or 10 minutes, and he couldn't handle what I was saying. And so he just disconnected me and you know, just said I was being rude. The reality was he was being a fool. He just doesn't know that. I mean, and if you watch this whole uh, debate, it's an hour debate uh, with uh, Tank Huger and Ben Shapiro. And believe me, I would love to do this debate i mean if if tank uger ever uh, hears about this youtube video i mean i would challenge him to a debate in this format anytime any place i mean not that i don't think ben shapiro made some good points he did but i think i would have just mopped the floor with this guy i mean it's amazing he thinks he's so smart he has no idea how little he actually knows i mean i can go on all day about all the misstatements that that Chank that Uger made during this one hour. But I want to just focus on one for the purpose of this podcast. Maybe I'll get to some of the others in future podcasts, but I wanted to just focus on taxes. Because one of the points that Chank Uger made uh, during this debate was that high taxes are good. Right? That that we have more prosperity with higher taxes, and if we have lower taxes, then that's bad for the economy. So in his opinion, if the government takes money from the people who earn it and gives it to the people who don't earn it, then everybody is going to be better off, including the people who are being taxed. This is what this guy believes. And let me just get into some of this nonsense in a way that really Ben Shapiro let him off the hook. I mean, he didn't make uh, some of these points that I'm going to make. I know this is live and he only had an hour or so. You know it's hard, so I'm not necessarily gonna you know armchair quarterback uh, his performance. I mean, again, he said some good things, and overall, he's uh, he's he's a good guy. But one of the things that Chank Yuger said uh, was that he goes back to the 1950s, and this is typical of the liberals because they'll say, hey, you know, look at how strong the economy was in the 1950s and 1960s. I mean, this is the epitome of the American economy, and income tax rates were 91 percent actually 92 percent in the early 50s they cut them to 91 percent i mean why bother right oh taxes are at 92 percent hey let's cut them okay let's make them 91 percent i mean i don't know if somebody thought that was a tax that i wonder if there was anybody that opposed that that thought that was a giveaway to the rich to cut their taxes from 92 percent to 91 percent but 91 percent is where taxes were for most of the uh 1950s and uh the early part of the 1960s. In fact, when I was born in 1963, the top tax rate was still 91%. And then uh, John Kennedy cut them. His famous tax cuts brought the top rate down from 91 down to 70, right? So still pretty high. But Chank Uger's point was that, hey, we had these high taxes, 90% taxes, and the economy was strong. America was wealthy, and therefore, high taxes are good. Because we had a strong economy and we had high taxes simultaneously, therefore, high taxes must be uh, good for the economy. And of course, this is false logic, right? It's like saying, oh, I'm eating a banana and it's raining. Oh, therefore, eating a banana caused the rain, right? Those two things are unrelated. They have nothing to do with one another. And the fact that we had a wealthy economy in the 1950s and 60s and that we still had high taxes are, are They're just two things that happen to occur at the same time. It's not that the high taxes were the reason for the prosperity. In fact, it's the reverse. The reason that we were so prosperous in the 1950s and 1960s is not because of how high the taxes were then during those decades, but how low they were in the decades before that. See, the 1950s didn't just happen overnight. And you know the only response that Ben Shapiro had was that, well, we were wealthy in the 50s and 60s because we won the Second World War and all the rest of the, uh, the world was decimated. And so that's why we were so rich. That's not true. I mean, that, that is not the way to respond to this. I mean, we were wealthy before the Second World War. We were a, a mighty power before the war began. Yes, once, you know, Great Britain was in ruins and Germany and Japan, we were the, the last man standing. But that didn't immediately create the standard of living that Americans enjoyed in the 50s and 60s. That was a byproduct of the economic growth of the 19th century and the early part of the 20th century, when we had no taxes at all. See, the reason that we created such a prosperous society, such a strong middle class, was because we had no taxes, right? After the end of the Civil War, right? And we finished that, you take you know, 1870 through 1913, which was the introduction of the income tax. The income tax rate was zero. Nobody paid any income taxes during that time. That's the time of the Industrial Revolution. That's when all the immigrants were coming to America, the 1880s, the 1890s, 1900s. That's when all four of my grandparents came over here from Eastern Europe, right? There were no taxes. There was massive economic growth when the tax rate was zero. Now, when they started the income tax in 1913, the top bracket was 7%. That's still very low. And in fact, initially, they wanted to cap it at 10%. And the reason they didn't is because the objection was, well, if we put a 10% cap, they might actually raise it to 10%. Well, then they should have capped it at 7 But unfortunately, they didn't cap it. And of course, this is the old camel's nose under the tent. The minute you have an income tax... Congress couldn't resist the temptation to raise it. And then as soon as we had the First World War, which is another reason why we shouldn't have got that war, uh, because, you know, America loses every war because under a war, the government, you know, grabs power and raises taxes. And so in the First World War, uh, they raised the income tax quickly up to 77 percent by 1918. The income tax was 77 percent. Now, they slowly started to lower it. And so by 1925, it was back down to 25%. And it stayed there until the Depression. And that's really what helped make the Depression so much worse is because they jacked income taxes up. So in 1932, under uh, FDR, the top rate shot up to 63%. That's why we were still in the Depression when World War II started. And in fact, when the war started in 1940, Right? That's when they jacked the rates up to 81%. They got as high as, as 94% during 1944. This was all to fight and finance the Second World War. And in fact, it wasn't until 1943 when we passed the victory tax. That was the withholding tax. That's when the average American, for the first time in history, started paying any income taxes. And and so these were all wartime taxes. Now, also, there were no Social Security taxes uh, in the 19th century. In fact, no one paid any social security taxes until the 1930s, and then it was only a one percent tax on a small portion of your income. And if you were self-employed, you were exempted. So if you were a small businessman, you didn't pay any social security tax. Now you're paying 15 percent on your first hundred and some odd thousand, and then you pay uh, the Medicare tax, three percent, three point nine percent on everything. So back then, you know, you had no income taxes, really, no payroll taxes that's what built up the American middle class. That's why you had such a high standard of living in the 1950s. It's not because the wartime taxes were so high. See, the problem is those taxes were never lowered. See, once the government won the war, they kept the high taxes. And it's not a coincidence that the 1950s right really marks the zenith of America's power, of America's might, of America's standard of living certainly on a relative basis relative to the rest of the world but even just relative to itself i mean you go back to the 1950s and think about what it was to be middle class in the 1950s if you were a typical guy didn't go to college maybe you graduated high school maybe you didn't right you could get a job pretty much any job and you could get married and your wife didn't have to work you could support your wife on the typical uh, income of a non a college grad non-high school grad not only that you can you can support your kids and you can have not just one kid you can have three kids four kids and you didn't have a credit card you can feed your family you can house your family you can support your family without debt right and you know when people were buying houses they were paying off their mortgages. By the time they retired, not only did they have no debt, they had no mortgage, and they were able to save. You can't do that today, right? Today, you, if, even if you have an advanced degree, even if you have a master's degree, the typical guy can't support his wife. His wife is working too, and she might have a master's degree also. And can they afford kids? Not really. I mean, they got to delay having their children until they're in their 30s maybe, sometimes even later than that, and they have one kid, maybe two, then they stop, they can't afford to have any more. Meanwhile, they're running up a lot of debt, they're borrowing on their credit cards, they got massive mortgages, they've got student loans, they've got uh, auto loans, they have nothing saved for retirement. I mean, the only thing that we've got going for us now that we didn't have back then is technology has improved, right? Obviously, technology in the 1950s was a lot better than it was in the 1900s. And so, obviously, we've made some more progress since then. You know, we have cell phones that we didn't have. But the point is not what we, what we have, but what we would have had had we maintained the low level of government that existed in uh, the, you know, the second half of the 19th century and the early part of the 20th century. Because could you imagine what life would be like in America if we still had those really, really low taxes and we had the benefit of. The modern technology, first of all, we'd probably have even better technology. Had taxes been lower, had government been smaller, who knows all the things that would have been invented that haven't been invented. So we would have even more stuff. And the fact of the matter is all this technology should have reduced cost and led to a higher standard of living. People should be working fewer hours today. It should you know, you should be able a man should be able to support his wife or the wife could support the husband. See, it doesn't matter, right? Have one person earning the money and the other person taking care of the home. That's fine. It could be the man or the woman. But with all the technology we have today, one person should be able to support a family with a part-time job. But no, now we have two people working full-time and they can't support a family because they're supporting a massive government. In fact, if you go back to the 1950s, you know, those high taxes, right? Think about it, right? 91, 92% tax. Who in their right mind is going to try to earn money and pay 91% of what they earn in taxes. Nobody. The problem that happened with those high tax rates in the 1950s and 1960s is that that's when American businesses started to focus not on making profits, but on avoiding taxes. That was the most important thing. After all, why would you want to earn a dollar? If you're a small businessman, Why would you want to earn a dollar? Because you only get nine cents. What I want to do is reduce my income by a dollar because then I make 91 cents. So people didn't want to maximize their income. They wanted to maximize their expenses. So American businesses became extremely inefficient in the 1950s and the 1960s. And that's why the Japanese ate our lunch. That's why the Germans ate our lunch. Because while they were trying to maximize profits, we were trying to maximize tax deductions. See, that's what Tank Uyghur doesn't seem to understand. People don't want to pay these confiscatory taxes, so they find ways not to do it. Meanwhile, the Japanese and the Germans, who lost the war, had less government, lower taxes, fewer regulations. And so they, they beat our pants off. You know, in the early 1950s, nobody would buy a product made in Japan. It was a joke. Right, if something didn't work, that's what you say. What was that made in Japan? Right now, now everything is made over there or in other parts of the world. Why did that transition happen? How could we have had such a big lead? Right? If you think about America in 1950, right? We were so far ahead of the Japanese. Japan was in ruins. Right? Germany was in ruins. You know, we we had everything. They had nothing. How did they ever catch up? The reason is We got big government and they got small government. They they copied America from the 19th century. And we progressed into this new era of high taxes and big government. And so they they lost the war, but they won economically. We won the war, but we lost economically because with the war, we got big government. Japan and Germany lost their big government in the war, at least East Germany, right? Government in Germany and Japan was bigger before the war than after the war. In America, we started the war with small government and we ended the war with big government. That is the problem. That's why it's been all downhill since the 1950s. Think about this concept of a 90% tax bracket and how, how it works, right? If I am a businessman and I'm paying 90% tax, right? my goal is to minimize my income. And I want to run up my expenses. And that's what everybody did, right? Let's say you're a small businessman and there's zero income tax. And now let's say you got you to gotta set up an office. You're going to be economical. I mean, how nice an office do you really want to have? Um, you know, you're going to probably, you know, try to do it on the cheap, right? You're not going to want to spend too much money on your office. You want to, you know, you want to save the money for your have a nicer house you know that's where you're going to spend more of your time that's where your your family is you're entertaining you know you, you want to minimize your costs when you're running a business not when you got a 90 percent tax there you want to you want to maximize your costs you want to minimize your profits so now you start you know fancy you know, let me have some italian marble flown in here you know let me have really expensive furniture let me have the gold leaf and you know all kinds of fancy wood and i'm going to buy the most expensive stuff i can afford why because you're not paying for it. If you're in the 91% tax bracket and you spend a ton of money on furniture, it only costs you nine cents on the dollar. So if you spend 100 grand, you spent nine grand, right? I mean, I'd rather have the furniture than, you know, than, than the, uh, the cash check from the IRS. That's what happened. So businesses were bloated. Their expenses, people were spending money that they never would have spent if they were trying to maximize their profits. I mean, People were padding their payrolls uh, back then. I mean, let's say I'm in the 90% tax bracket. Well, why don't I just put my, 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 my son-in-law on my payroll or my son or a buddy of mine? Because let's say I'm going to pay my son $10,000 and I'm in the 90% bracket. Well, I mean, if I, if I didn't pay him the $10,000, I was only going to keep 1000 So let me pay him $10,000. Maybe he's in the 20% bracket. And so now, you know, he gets $8,000. Well, what's better? I have 1000 or my son gets 8000 So this is what happened. People had all kinds of entourages. Everybody was on the payroll. No one actually had to work. People were just putting people on the payroll to lower their taxes. And of course, back then, you know, there were lots of deductions. It wasn't like the code today. There were a lot more deductions back then. It was much easier for people to put all their personal expenses on their businesses, which is what they did. And, and so these businesses were not lean and mean. They were, they were deliberately created to be inefficient. So how could we compete when you have German businesses and Japanese businesses trying to maximize their profits and you have American businesses trying to maximize their losses? You know, everybody thinks profit is a bad thing, right? I mean, especially, you know, when I hear this talk about healthcare, oh, you know, we gotta take the profit out, right? That's why healthcare is so expensive, because of profit. But if we just didn't have profits, right, that's the whole Marxist theory. Profits are bad, right? Profits are good. Profits are the reward that an entrepreneur earns by effectively organizing the factors of production in a way that creates value, right? If you earn a profit, right? If I produce a product that I can sell for $100 that maybe it costs me $50 to make, if somebody buys it from me, then I've created value. Because if somebody voluntarily buys a product for me and gives me $100, that means that they like my product better than that $100 because they decided to make the exchange. They decided that giving me $100 in exchange for the product that I've created will improve their lives. They are better off with the product and the $100. Me I've decided I'm better off with the $100. I'd rather sell the product. So I've created a profit but it's a win-win. Everybody benefits. And so profits are good. You want to maximize profits because then you're maximizing the value that's being created. You're maximizing the gain from utilizing resources. You're maximizing everybody's standard of living. A loss is bad. You see, a loss means I'm taking scarce resources and I'm destroying value. If I create a product that costs me $50 and nobody will give me even $50 for it, if the most I can get is $30, I've destroyed value. I'm going to go out of business, which is good. Losses drive inefficient entrepreneurs out of business. They get punished because they failed. Profits are the reward for success. We want more profits. We want to encourage profits. Profits don't diminish our standard of living. Profits are why the standard of living goes up. But when you have high taxes, you are taxing profits. You are minimizing profits. You are creating an incentive not to create profits. You're creating incentives to produce losses. And that was the beginning of the downfall of the United States. So when guys like Chank, you know, look back fondly at the days of 90% taxes, and to be fair, you know, even Chank was saying, yeah, you know, maybe 90% is a bit high, right? Maybe 70% or something like that, like we had, uh, you know, after John F. Kennedy. But all of these taxes, all of these high taxes are disruptive, apart from the fact that it's being immoral Apart from the fact that it's theft, you're taking money away from people who earned it. And of course, you know, they always try to say, well, you know, we need it for the roads. Yeah, the roads are a tiny, tiny part of what the government does. You know, most of the money has nothing to do with the roads. And believe me, the private sector could create roads. If the government wasn't doing it, the private sector could build roads, and they could probably build them more efficiently uh, than the government can. But even if we're going to let the government build the roads, it doesn't take a 90% income tax. In fact, you could build the roads without any income tax at all, because we had roads in this country before we had an income tax. So that proves that you can have roads and no income tax. What we obviously have now that we didn't have before the income tax is a gigantic welfare state. Is government running Social Security, Medicare, now Obamacare, all the things that government is doing now, that's what you need an income tax for. But if you want government to do the things it's supposed to do, if you want the government to do the things that the Constitution authorizes it to do, then you don't need an income tax at all. One of the comments that he made was that it's a good thing to take money away from rich people and give it to poor people because poor people will go out and spend it and the rich people will just hoard it. They'll just save it. And so the poor people are putting the money back into the economy and the rich people are just somehow taking the money out of the economy, which is a complete nonsensical argument that every liberal makes, every Keynesian makes, as if savings is a subtraction from the economy. I mean, if poor people are spending their money, where are the products coming from that they are buying? Somebody had to produce them. And where does production come from? It comes from capital investment. And where does that come from? It comes from savings. You know, and this here, at least, is a point uh, that, that Ben Shapiro made. He made this point, actually, by pointing out that somebody invested $4 million to get the Young Turks char- started. And Ben said, well, where'd that $4 million come from? I mean, you couldn't have started your company unless somebody saved that $4 million, right? Businesses are formed through savings. Jobs are created out of savings, right? Without savings, there's nothing. Without savings, there's no products for people to buy, so you can't say that we need to take money away from the rich because those idiots are going to save their money and invest their money. We need to give it to poor people who are going to go out and spend it. they have nothing to buy. You know, we, you need to leave the money uh, with people who earned it because investment is what drives economic growth. We're not rich because we spend. We spend because we produce and we produce because we save. So any taxation policy where the goal is to take money that would have been saved and invested and convert it into current consumption is guaranteed to lower your standard of living. And that is why our standard of living has gone down so much because of this progressive income tax, because we've been doing exactly what Chank Uger thinks we ought to do, because we've been taxing away money that would have been saved and invested and converting it to consumption, our standard of living has been falling. And because we have incentivized businessmen to try to figure out how not to pay taxes instead of how to maximize their profits, we have undermined our economic growth. And so that's why the 1950s and 1960s, that's when we were at our peak, because that's when we really started to do the damage. We started to reverse all the good things that made us so rich by the time the 1950s and 1960s came along. But you have all this nonsense out there. you got all this false logic out there trying to create this phony narrative that taxes on the rich are good, that taxing production and taxing savings are good, and just doling out money to the poor and the middle class through government subsidies is good. Now, what is this good for? This is good for politicians. That's a great strategy for votes. I'm going to take from the rich and give to everybody who votes for me. Right. I mean, that's a great strategy to get votes. It's a great strategy to get elected, but it's a lousy strategy for economic growth. Now, I understand why politicians want to espouse that because it gets them votes. But what's Chank uh, Uger? I mean, he's not running for anything. He's just ignorant. He just actually believes all this nonsense. I think he's sincere. I don't doubt that he actually believes all this. It's just that he's so completely clueless. He doesn't know any better. And, you know, maybe had he not hung up on me so quickly when I was on his show, maybe if he'd have shut up long enough to actually listen to a few of the things that I had to say, maybe he would understand that. You know, because the only thing that separates liberals from their ideology is the facts, is logic, is the truth. So it should be possible to educate a liberal and and make them a conservative, make them a libertarian. In fact, this happens all the time, right? There's an old saying that says, if you're not a liberal, by the time you're 20, you don't have a heart. And if you're not a conservative, by the time you're 30, you don't have a head. See, a lot of people start off as liberals when they're young and they don't know any better. But then as they get more knowledge and experience, they become conservative. Now, I don't know what Chank's excuse is because he's a lot older than 30, right? And he's still a liberal. So why didn't he grow? right? Why why, why didn't he get any smarter? Why Why didn't his experience running his business, why didn't he start to think about these things. I mean, why is he still mentally a little kid, right? Because politicians, you don't know what they actually believe because they're trying to get votes and they want to appeal to the little kid in everybody. They want to they want to be the Santa Claus, uh, you know, giving out free stuff, right? They don't want to be the Grinch to steal that free stuff, which is how the left paints the right. But it is possible, but nobody goes the other way, right? Nobody starts out as a conservative, as a libertarian when they're young and then they become a liberal, when they get, that this doesn't happen. I mean, may, I mean, is, is it the exception that might prove the rule? Yes, I'm sure we could find some example of this happening somewhere in time, but it is so rare. It is always the other way. The evolution is from thinking with your heart to thinking with your head. And all this nonsense that he's talking about has to do with thinking with his heart. I mean, the same thing, I mean, Chank Uger mentioned that when he was in favor of single payer, socialized healthcare. He said, look, I'm a capitalist, right? But I just think the government should provide health care and education because they can do it better. But he said that he thinks the free market should be allowed to provide sneakers, right? So the free market is good at producing sneakers, but the government is better at things like health care and education. No, it's not. I mean, where's the consistency in that logic, right? Because healthcare and education is a product. Or maybe it's more a service than a product, although healthcare, it's probably a combination of both. But it's still something, a good or a service that's being delivered to a consumer. And if you believe in capitalism, it's not with an asterisk. That well, capitalism works for sneakers, but it doesn't work for healthcare. It works for both. And if government is actually better at providing health care, then why aren't they better at providing sneakers? I mean, if they can do something as complicated as health care, why can't they do something as simple as make a pair of sneakers? It doesn't make sense that they could do something real complicated, but then they can't do something real simple. You see, and in Chang's mind, the reason that it doesn't work is the profits. See, he wants to just take the profits out of health care. OK, well, let's take the profits out of sneakers. Don't you think these sneaker companies make a profit? So why don't we get the profits out of sneakers? If we get the profits out, we're going to get the quality out. If we get the profits out, the prices are going to go up. Because profit-seeking businessmen, profits are why prices are low. Profits are why quality goes up. Because that's how you get a profit. You get a profit by delivering low cost and high quality. But when you take the profit out, all the good things go away too. The same thing would happen in healthcare. The government is no better at delivering health care or education than it would be at delivering sneakers. Right? So if you think the government is better at health care and education, then you should be consistent and you should you should support socialized everything, not just socialized some things. I mean, change is saying, well, you know, health care is really important because if you don't get good health care, you know, you're, you're, you're going to die. Uh, All right. Well, you know, why doesn't the government provide all the clothing then? Because, you know, if you don't have any clothing, I mean, you're going to get you're going to catch pneumonia. You could die if you're naked. So the government needs to be clothing everybody. If you don't have a pair of shoes, you're going to you could step on something. You know, you could step on something and get an infection. You could die. The government, we can't let poor people go shoeless. We can't just have the rich people have shoes. We better make sure the government provides the shoes. What about all the food? We can't let the poor people starve. If you don't have food, you're going to die of starvation. The government better run all the farms. Otherwise, just the rich people will eat. Oh, what about housing? What about shelter? I mean, you got to have shelter. You can't be out in the streets. You know, you'll die from the elements. The government needs to build all the houses. Otherwise, just the rich people will have houses. This is nonsense. The free market provides housing to the rich and the poor. It provides food to the rich and the poor. It provides clothing to the rich and the poor. Now, do the rich and the poor get equal food? Do they get equal clothing? Do they get equal houses? No, the rich get better houses. They get better clothes, and they get better uh, health care. Right? That was, that's what would happen. If the free market was supplying health care, the poor would get health care, and the rich would get health care. The rich would just get better health care. Now, why? What's wrong with that? They get better food. They get better houses, right? they get better clothes. Why can't they have better health care? It's not that the poor are going to die if they don't have as good a health care as Bill Gates. The reality of it is, if the government takes over health care for everybody, everybody's health care is going to be worse. The health care that the poor people get that is supplied by the free market will be better than the health care that they get that's supplied by the government. It might not be as good as the health care that the super rich get, but it's better than what they're gonna get if we have the type of system that Chank Uger is advocating. That's what he doesn't understand. And what he also doesn't understand is that the reason that the current healthcare system is so screwed up is because government is already too involved in healthcare. All of the problems in healthcare are not a failure of the free market to deliver low cost, high quality health care. It's a failure of the government to allow that to happen. So it's because of big government, it's because of the tax code, it's because of Medicare and Medicaid and all the involvements that the government has now that it is, that is so expensive. Now, he thinks it's a trade-off. He thinks, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to pay higher taxes, but I'm going to get cheaper health care. No, you're going to pay higher taxes and you're going to get worse health care. You're actually going to get more expensive health care. The health care that you get for free from the government is more expensive than the health care that you buy from the private sector. And the same thing applies to education. You know, if the government didn't provide public education, it's not like parents would allow their children to grow up ignorant. I mean, obviously, if the government wasn't providing education, parents would seek out private education. There would be a bigger market, a more robust market for private education. And you'd have a lot more entrepreneurs competing for those educational dollars. I mean, right now there still are private schools, but the market is not nearly as large as it would be if so much money wasn't taken from families to pay taxes. Because if, you, if you're going to send your kids to private school now, you still have to pay your taxes, right? So you still have to pay your property taxes to finance the government schools, even if you don't send any of your kids to government schools. So in order to send your kid to a private school, you have to have enough money to pay for the public schools that you don't go to and then pay for the private schools on top of that. But if the government wasn't providing the public schools, then every family would have a lot more money to shop around for a private education. And believe me, that private education would be much better than the lousy educations that a lot of people are getting in the public schools. In fact, I don't even think they're educations. I mean, a lot of our public school systems are nothing more than glorified daycare. This is what happens when you turn over something as important as education to the government. You know, the more important something is, the less the government should be doing it. I mean, I guess if the government made our shoes, okay, so we'd have lousy shoes. That's worse than having lousy education, and that's what we've got because the government is in charge of education because the government doesn't care right if you've got a public school but right, you, 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 do they care if your kids learn anything there's no competition they don't you know you're, you're stuck in that public school system. the public schools are run for the benefit of the teachers from the bureaucracy the administration that no one cares about the kids they take a back seat to everything but in The private school, it's all about the kids. The only focus is on results because parents are not going to send their kids to a private school that is not producing good results as far as how well their children are being educated, how well they're learning uh, the basics, what their test scores are, what kind of colleges they're getting into. You have all these free market forces that force private schools to think about their result because they need customers. They are in competition. Not only are they in competition with one another, but of course they compete with the government school. So they have to offer value for money. Public schools don't have to offer anything, they're a monopoly. If you live in that district, you're stuck going to that school, no matter how lousy it is. So why would they have any incentive uh, to do something that's good for the kids? And you know, the government, they always say, well, you know, if we didn't have Public schools, you know, all these poor people, kids wouldn't go to school. As if their parents care that little about their kids that they're not going to educate them. You don't think poor parents care about their kids? They want their kids to have an education. And you don't think that there's an entrepreneur out there that wants that education money? Look, poor people buy food, poor people buy clothes, and they're going to buy education. And they're going to get plenty of quality education at an affordable price. You see, not only do private schools have to compete on quality, they also have to compete on price. They have to educate your kids better for less, right? And so we would have better, less expensive education if the free market was allowed to do it. But because we've put government in charge, we have very expensive, lousy education.